Welcome to worship from Jessup First United Methodist Church. I'm Rebecca Duke Barton, and I'm here with my husband, Garth, who will read the gospel lesson for us. We're so glad that you're here. We're spending the fall hearing the parables in the book of Matthew where Jesus taught about the kingdom of heaven. Chapter 18 of Matthew is about forgiveness, seeking forgiveness when you've done something wrong, and forgiving our brothers and sisters when they have done something wrong to us. As Virginia preacher Jason Michelli points out, Jesus has just been teaching about the lost sheep who wandered away, and the shepherd left the 99 to seek out the one. But what if that one keeps wandering away? How many times should we run after that lost sheep? Maybe that's what prompted Peter's next question. Let's hear the words of Jesus from Matthew 18, beginning at verse 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to the Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I was in the fifth grade, a new preacher's kid moved to town. Her daddy was the Baptist preacher and mine was the Methodist preacher, and we hit it off. We went to each other's houses and sat beside each other in class and passed notes when we needed to say something. We were friends in sixth and seventh grade, and then came eighth grade. I don't know why sometimes friendships fall apart in eighth grade, but there you go. She had a new best friend, and I had other friends, and I had a twinge of pain that we weren't buddies anymore, but that could have been that. Except she and her new friend decided to start playing practical jokes on me. We had PE together, and although I have athletic children, you should know, beloveds, that that is all from their daddy. PE was my toughest class. They sewed my shorts together and put lotion in my shoes. In my shoes! And then there was the day that they filled my purse with caterpillars. I cannot tell you how awful that was. Did I mention that she was the Baptist preacher's daughter? 
It's funny how things stick with you from middle school. I still remember it. But even way back in middle school, I knew I had to forgive it. I couldn't just hold on to anger and brokenness at 13 any more than I can at 50. It's the way of Jesus, beloveds. Even though it was difficult, forgiveness is the way to freedom for our souls. In Matthew 18, Jesus had been teaching about forgiveness, and Peter had a question. How many times should he forgive his brother? Seven times? That seems like a lot. You've heard the expression, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. What would you say about fool me seven times? Seven times seems very generous. Jesus gave Peter an answer that has become famous. We are to forgive not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, you don't have to be taking Algebra 1 in the eighth grade to be able to figure out that math. So for my good math students, how much is 70 times seven? That's right, 490. You're so smart. But Jesus didn't actually mean for us to pull out a ledger and keep a tally. You hurt me 490 times, but that 491st time, I don't have to forgive. Jesus meant to give us a big number, a number that shows the generosity of God's grace. God's grace multiplies. Peter must have found that shocking. You want me to forgive and forgive and forgive and then keep on forgiving? At some point, my ability to forgive will run out. And that's why we need the grace of God. Jesus liked to tell a story to make a point, and this time is no different. There was a king who had to settle accounts for one of his servants. This was a servant in an official capacity, and he owed the king a great deal of money. I don't know how he amassed such a debt. Perhaps he was in charge of a tax collection for a large region, and he'd done a poor job and hadn't gotten all of the taxes collected. Perhaps he'd mismanaged a large chunk of the king's resources. The king was going to throw him into prison along with his wife and children. Except the servant fell on his knees and begged the king for more time. Be patient with me and I will pay you back. Now, here's the thing. The man owed 10,000 talents. This is a huge amount of money. Talents were the largest unit of money. If a laborer worked for 15 years and didn't have to spend it on food or to eat or to have a place to live, he might be able to earn one talent to pay back. But this man owes 10,000 talents. There is no way that this debt can be paid off in his lifetime or even in his grandchildren's lifetime. If someone said to me, you owe $10 billion, I'm not going to be able to say, Okay, can I get you a check on Tuesday? This debt is too big. That's the point, really. The debt is much too big. There's no way ever to pay the king back. As Jason Michelli points out, the servant didn't need patience. He needed a pardon. The king knew that. And when the servant fell down on his knees and asked for patience, the king took pity on the man. And instead of agreeing to be paid back, bit by bit, as long as the man lived, the king just forgave the debt. He wiped it all out. You don't owe me anything. Rob Bell points out that this is the king throwing out the system of bookkeeping that he's had. 
It's not better bookkeeping. It's not more generous bookkeeping. He goes from being 10,000 talents in the red to throwing out the ledger entirely. Jesus is making a point for us here. The debt we owe God is beyond calculating. We could never make it up to God all that we owe him. Through Jesus, God said, I forgive your debt. You don't owe me anything. That's God's extravagant grace. If the story ended there, we would all walk away feeling good. God loves us. I was pretty bad, but God has forgiven me. Except Jesus goes on with his parable. The same man who has just been forgiven 10,000 talents runs into another man who owes him a much smaller amount, a hundred denarii. Now, a denarius was about the wage a laborer could make in a day. Remember the story of the laborers in the vineyard when they all got paid a denarius. So a hundred denarii is real money. It would be about a third of his income for the year. It would be tough to pay. People didn't make a lot of extra money. But it isn't insurmountable. It's not a debt that can't be repaid. It wouldn't be paid off in one day, but it could be paid off before the man got too old to work. You get the contrast. The first man owed more than he could ever pay. The second man would have to work hard, but he would eventually get that debt paid off. The man who owed a hundred denarii did the exact same thing as the first man. He fell on his knees and asked the man for more time. Have patience with me, he said, and I will pay you. Jesus' parables usually have an unexpected twist. You kind of expect the guy who had just been forgiven 10,000 talents to be feeling good about the debt that he no longer owes. You expect him to pay it forward. You expect that having experienced that generosity from the king, his heart is going to be moved to pity too. Or if he isn't going to forgive the debt, at least give the guy a little more time. But he doesn't. And there's the twist. The man who had just been forgiven a debt beyond imagination wouldn't forgive this small debt. Instead, the man who just avoided debtor's prison calls the authorities and has the other man thrown into prison until he can pay the debt. I have never understood debtor's prison. I, I always loved Charles Dickens' stories and the way he highlighted how lopsided things had gotten for so many people in the 19th century England People wind up in debtor's prison and then they can't pay their debts. How are you ever supposed to pay a hundred denarii if you're in prison and can't get out to work? This is a debt that should have been able to be repaid, but because the servant held on to it and refused to forgive, it became a debt that ruined both of their lives. We have a tendency to be just like that man, beloveds. We have a tendency to hang on when someone has hurt us. How many people can think of someone who's, who's harmed you? When I was telling my middle school story, did you find yourself back in middle school being bullied or mistreated? Maybe the hurt that you're hanging on to is a seemingly minor harm, or maybe it's truly terrible. Beloveds, I know what I am going to say is not easy. I know that there are people who have big things to forgive, people that you have loved and trusted who hurt you in unimaginable ways, people that you didn't know have burst your life with cruelty. And Jesus wants us to do what? 
He wants us to forgive them. I know. It's hard. But more importantly, Jesus knew it was hard. People arrested him, whipped him, and crucified him. One of the most painful deaths human beings have ever dreamed of. His best friends in the world abandoned him. Jesus looked down from the cross and said, Father, forgive them. So believe me, when Jesus says forgive 70 times 7, he isn't saying it lightly. He knows the cost to forgive the debt. He knows exactly what it is going to take to toss out that ledger of wrongs. Jesus says we are to forgive as he did. To look at the person who has hurt us, who has treated us cruelly, who broke our hearts, and forgive them. That's what life in the kingdom is like. We've got a king who forgives unimaginable debt. And so forgiveness is a part of those who live in the kingdom as well. We resist it. We think that forgiveness isn't fair, that the person is getting away with something if we forgive. We're like the man in the parable and say, you owe me. You aren't going to get off scot-free. As long as I hold on to this, you are being punished. As Rob Bell points out about our story, the man who has been forgiven is still trying to hold on to the bookkeeping ledger. His life has not been changed by the experience of grace. But the parable continues and shows another reality. The king was furious when he heard that his servant had refused to forgive a debt, and so he had the first man thrown in prison until he could pay back the 10,000 talents. Now remember, parables are not allegories. While the king represents the way that God forgives us, this does not mean that God takes back his forgiveness once he gives it to us. Instead, the parable recognizes the reality of what unforgiveness does to us. When we hold on to a wrong that has been done against us, thinking that we're punishing the other person, we wind up being the ones in prison. We put ourselves into a prison of anger and resentment that turns into bitterness. Is that really how you want your life to go? Think about it as you're holding on to what you can't forgive. Do you want to live in a prison of bitterness? Or do you want to live in freedom in the kingdom that Christ is bringing in? In her book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget, Lisa Turkhurst writes about her experience of betrayal and pain. Her introduction to the whole book is entitled, I still cry about what happened. She understands pain and betrayal. But she says holding on and not forgiving didn't punish the person she wanted to punish. Holding on hurt her. Lisa writes about all of the things that tried to come in and take over in her unforgiving state. She says cynicism came in like a security guard, making her believe if she hoped for less, she'd feel less pain, and so she protected her heart. Bitterness masqueraded like a judge, making her believe she needed to keep bringing out the evidence of the wrong done to her so that she could hear the word guilty over the person that caused her pain. Resentment cloaked itself in a banner marked with the word vindication, making her believe that the only way to get free of pain was to make sure that those who caused it hurt as badly as she did. But then she says this was the reality. Cynicism wasn't the protective security guard. 
It was a thief stealing closeness with Lisa and those she loved. Bitterness as the judge proclaimed a sentence of isolation for her, not guilty for the other person. And resentment wasn't a way out. It was a trap, keeping her unable to move forward. It turns out the way of Jesus, the way of the kingdom, is the way forward. It's the way to freedom. It's the way to close relationships and restoration of your soul. But the way to get there is to let go of our bookkeeping. We can't keep an account of all the wrong done to us. Instead, we let God throw out the whole ledger. We do as Ephesians 4 says, forgive others as God in Christ has forgiven you. We sincerely pray the part of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The parable of Jesus, of the unforgiving servant, is really a parable of grace. We let the grace that we've experienced become our new way of life. I'm not going to say it's easy, but I am going to tell you it's the way of Jesus, it's the way of the kingdom. We've been forgiven a debt we cannot pay so that we can live freely in the abundance of God's grace. Will you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness, for canceling our debts and not holding our trespasses against us. Give us your grace to do the same for others. Free us from anger and resentment. Don't let bitterness take root in us. Free us from the bookkeeping that holds on to wrongs suffered and give us the joy of life in your kingdom. In the name of the Son who sets us free, we pray. Amen.